Welcome to Interviews. Being an entrepreneur is the toughest job ever. There are no practical guidelines. So I created this podcast to help crack the entrepreneurship code. Join me every week as I invite entrepreneurs to share their stories, the practical tips and lessons they've learned along the way. Don't be the main bottleneck in your business. Subscribe now. My guest today is Mike Malatesta, an entrepreneur, podcast host, and author. Mike started his entrepreneurship journey at the age of 26, and since he has helped start, grow, and sell two successful waste management companies, one sold for mid-eight figures and the other sold for low nine figures, so not bad. Mm. Today, he leads ERC Midwest LLC, a holding company that purchases and grows companies specializing in solving complex waste problems for manufacturers in all industries. I said that Mike's, Mike sorry, is also a podcast host, and he hosts the podcast called How'd It Happen?, where he explores stories, lessons, and wins with some of the most fascinating and successful people in the world. And last but not least, is the author of the book, Honor Shift, How Getting Selfish Got Me Unstuck. Interviews is brought to you by Social Prize, a marketing and communication agency operating remotely since 2005. Social Prize, specializes in digital technologies and communication, web development, e-commerce, remote working, coaching, training, growth, hacking. Log on their website, socialprize.me. Hey, Mike, thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, it's my pleasure. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Great. So let's start. Tell us a little bit about your journey as an entrepreneur. Sure. Uh, my professional journey as an entrepreneur began really when I was four years old. Uh, That's young. <laughs> it's young. Yes. Yes. Uh, I didn't realize it at the time that it, that it began then, but that's where, that's where it began. And it began on the, on the curb outside of my parents' house. I would sit on the curb by the street and we lived across the street from a construction company. And in the summer times, in the afternoons, I would sit there and I would watch the, the men bring back their trucks and at the end of the day. And I was just really enamored by the whole thing, the, the, the noise and the feeling of the trucks and the exhaust and, and the men too. I thought they were like super cool people. And that I think there was an entrepreneurial seed planted in me then. And, and then it just stayed there for a long time because life took me in different directions. And by the time I got to college, I, I, w I wasn't, nobody was thinking about, you know, entrepreneur wasn't even a word then that anyone used. No one was thinking about starting a business. Everyone was thinking about getting a job. And so that's what I did. And I got a good job uh, and I, and I was, I was moving up and I thought, you know, one day I might, you know, be the CEO of this big company. And instead of that, uh, I got fired from the job. So okay. instead of becoming the CEO, I got fired. And that's when uh, I was 26 at the time. And that's when um, this sort of seed that had been planted in me back when I was four years old, uh, got, you know, germinated. And I, I, I started a company with a partner. Um, 
uh, six months later. And, you know, through a, through a, a lot of years of, of good fortune and, and, you know, our share of misfortune, um, we managed to grow that business and, and, you know, 22 years later, it was a pretty big business and we, uh, we, we had an opportunity to sell it at that time and did. And, um, and then three years later, I, I started another similar type company with a private equity partner. And that time, um, uh, we, we did it differently. We didn't bootstrap it. We did it, you know, with, with a, with a fund of, of money and, um, went much faster. We, we, we started, uh, in 2018 and then we sold the business in 2021. So about, about three years and, um, yeah, and that, that brings us to today, at least professionally. Yeah. Um, you said, so the first business, well, you bootstrapped it. And the second business, you, you used uh, uh, investments from external investors. Yes. Is, mm-hmm. that, is that one of the reasons why you sold the, the second business much faster than the first one? Yeah, although, well, me, I think so, yes. But um, it was really... Uh, so that was a startup too. We started from nothing there, and we we mm. purchased a few companies and put them together to, to uh, to form you know the base or the platform of the company. But we weren't we we were expecting a much longer, uh, you know, t- time frame for for the business. It just so happened that, um, you know what what we had ended up putting together, complemented by a few other things, complemented by. Uh, just a lot of interest in, in waste and sustainability companies and, and, and just a really, um, a lot of interest and a lot of offers started coming our way. And so it just really, it, it accelerated and it probably did help that we had put it together more quickly because we had the, the, uh, resources from, from the fund. Um, but we were, we were planning on a much longer time horizon. It just, it just came more quickly than we anticipated. Right. I want to continue talking a little bit about the differences between bootstrapping and having uh, money from a fund, because as you know, there's a lot of startups today and everybody's chasing the money from the yeah. investors. So what are the differences that you can talk about, you know, uh, between bootstrapping a company and getting investors on board? I, I, I mean, if I had to choose my own path as a first time entrepreneur, I would mm. choose the bootstrapping Okay. every day uh, um, if I could avoid the, the funding. So in our first business, we were able to get bank funding uh, to get us off the ground in addition to pledging and putting in every single thing that we had otherwise. Mm-hmm. And uh, fortunately, over the, over the whole time horizon of that business, we were able to um, rely only on the cash flow of the business and uh, bank funding. So we didn't have to get any outside funding um, for someone like, so, so that way you maintain control, right? You, right. you, when you, you know, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but when you take money from someone else, even if they're very nice people and um, you know, they're supportive and all that uh, they, they have their, they have expectations, probably high expectations. And that uh, can be a good thing. Um, because sometimes we don't put high enough expectations on ourselves when we're just us. 
Um, but it can also be, you know, it can be a, it can be a trying, you know, especially if things go sideways uh, for a period of time or go down or, or whatever. Um, so there's trade-offs like every, like everything. Uh, but for me, like the second time around, I thought it was perfect because I wasn't looking to do another bootstrap startup. Um, cause I had done that and spent a lot of energy and, and years, um, you know, grinding away at that. And this seemed like a, a great way to use all the intellectual capital that I had uh, developed uh, over the years of running the, 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 the first startup and, and apply it in a different way um, in a more, in a more um, accelerated, in, in a more accelerated way with, with the benefit of, 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 mo- of some money. And it just worked out really well for, for me in my particular stage of uh, career and what I was looking for. Right. But bottom line is I, I would, I would recommend any startup to the extent that you can limit, you know, bootstrap it as much as you can and limit the outside investment um, as much as you can until, you know, I guess until, until the point where you're really, really sure that that's what you want. And rather than being really, really needy of that in order to, um, you know, to keep, to keep, uh, to keep moving. So you negotiate on you, on your terms. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 What do you think? That's a, that's what I think. No, I, 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 I like what you said because that's also what I think. <laughs> and that's also like, you have decent investors and the decent investors will tell you that, that you should mm-hmm. first bootstrap. And they will also remind you that, you know, the first, um, well, the people that pay for the businesses first are your customers. <laughs> so you should concentrate on them and then right. come, go and uh, uh, get investors if you need the external funds, because then you can negotiate on your own terms and you're in a, in a, in a strength. Uh, in a a position of strength. So what did you do between the two companies? Because you said you sold the company and then you started like three years, three years after. Did you just relax and enjoy? Um, uh, A little bit. I, I, I worked for the company that purchased my first one for a while. Um, I had a, uh, uh, they, they call it non-compete here in the U S I don't know if that's the same language Mm -hmm. uh, in Finland, but I, I had a three year period of time where I wasn't I wasn't permitted to work in the industry. Um, so I had, you know, I, I had to honor that. And so that's why there was that three year time. But in between, I started my podcast, the how did happen podcast. And, and that was a really fun sort of thing for me to, to, to get myself into. And I, I started to, um, you know, get more serious about writing the book and, you know, so there were a few, there was, there was plenty, there was plenty to do, uh, during that period, but I, but I had an obligation to the purchaser of my first business, uh, to, to, to stay out of the industry for three years. All right. Uh, we're going to, we're going to talk about your podcast and, uh, and your book in a moment, oh. but, but first I have a, a question for you because I've talked to, uh, other entrepreneurs who sold their business and, or, you know, they, 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 they went out from the business a little bit to become a chair because the business, their businesses grew uh, large to a large, uh, become, became a large business um, one. And so my question to you is, was it difficult for you to sell and let go? Sometimes. So here's what I think happens a lot of the time, um, at least in my experience 
from what I've seen and, and known of these kinds of things, the business owner or the, or the entrepreneur, um, you know, sometimes they, 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 they want the money that comes from the sale, mm. but they don't really want to, they don't really want anything to change. <laughs> and um, that can cause problems because, you know, the, the, just like taking outside investment, you know, when yeah. you take, when you take the money, you also take the, the new ideas or the new direction or whatever the new owner wants. And so I feel like I did a, I, I intentionally told myself before the sale that once this um, is final, my, I don't own the company anymore. So it doesn't, you know, unless I guess if they want my help, the new owner, and they ask my opinion, I will certainly give it. If they disagree with me, that's just the way it goes. And my job, as long as I'm working there, is to support the direction that um, that the new owners want to take the business. And and I think if you go into it with that mindset, um, it can be easier. But um, but uh, if you don't, it can you know it can definitely be a challenge and. And it's not easy. I'm not, you know, something you've like in my case, 22 years I've had into this thing. I feel like, I feel like I was the best custodian of that business, whether I was or not. Right. I feel Mm -hmm. like I was. And so it can be very personal um, when things get changed or when decisions that you made get, you know, overruled or when you're made to think that you don't know, uh, you know, as much as you thought you did, it can be a, it can be a real challenge. Um, but I think the best thing, you know, I, I'm not sure that I know how to tell anybody what the best thing to do is, but the best thing for me was to just get it in my mind that if I was going to take the money and I was going to sell the business, that was that. And yeah. um, it wasn't mine anymore to uh, you know, just really hold on to my belief mm-hmm. system about it. So you talked about mindset. This is a good trans- transition to your book ownership how getting selfish got me unstuck so just the title is is very appealing and i'm, I'm oh, very curious you. about about why such a title <laughs> why did you why did you write the book well i wrote the book because uh i feel like well look starting a business being an entrepreneur is really hard and yeah. um there's there's so many entrepreneurs that I see, and it could have been me too, who get into uh, uh, the journey with a very, uh, you know, go big mindset. And over time, the, the, that dream uh, begins to grind away. And what, be, what, you know, what was a go big mindset becomes a, you know, can become a go small mindset. It can become a, you know, you can basically let it take over. Um, and why, and just and just grind you down to nothing, and so your belief system goes away, your dream goes away, your your willingness to you know lead the company and have a vision, and all those things it just becomes very can become very difficult. And that was my experience, you know, because I didn't evolve as an entrepreneur and 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 as a leader, um, the way that I probably should have, the way that I needed to, and 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 you know what ended up happening is. 10 years or so into the business, I, I was just still leading it like it was a startup, 
Right. And I was, and, and, and that, <clears throat> that structure that I had in place, um, while it was probably good at the beginning of the business and, and maybe for a while, it just wasn't the right one. Um, you know, at that point, and, and most of all, because I, you know, I had designed something that I thought was good and it was frustrating me and it was making me mad and it was making me, um, question, you know, why I was doing what I was doing. And, and those are all bad thoughts for an entrepreneur. You just, you don't want to be there, but so many of us do end up there. And the selfish thing is really a, a, a switch that, that got changed in me, you know, after my partner, uh, Butch passed away, the person I started the business with, he, he was burned in a fire at one of our plants. And, and three days later he died from that. And I just, um, that just, it just dumped me into this place I call the Valley of uncertainty. And I, I, you know, I just, I just didn't know what to do. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs get into that Valley for different reasons, you know, maybe not the same, certainly not the same as mine, but they get there. And it, it occurred to me not overnight, but during the time that I spent there that I, this, I, I sort of always approached my, my, I always thought of myself as a selfless leader, like a person who put everybody else first. That was the right approach for a while. And then it turned out to be the wrong approach for a couple of reasons. One, um, by putting everybody first, I was putting myself last. So that was number one. And two, by putting everybody first, you know, while it was making me feel like I was a good leader, I think, I think maybe it was just because I wanted to be the hero, you know, and I wanted to make sure that everybody knew, you know, how valuable yeah. I was and all of that stuff. And fact of the matter was, uh, you know, when, it, when I was being this selfless person, I wasn't doing my job. You know, I wasn't doing my job as the leader. I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, you know, focused on a future that was, you know, bigger than our past. I wasn't, you know, creating a vision. I wasn't, I, I was avoiding all of the work that I should have been doing. And it, and it was, it was frustrating the heck out of me too. So, um, so the selfish thing really came to me because I realized at some point that if I wasn't selfish first about what I wanted, about where I wanted the business to go, about how I wanted it to feel about all of these things, then, um, I couldn't really be selfless because a selfless leader can only guide an organization that's going somewhere. And our organization was, um, you know, it was growing and from the outside, it looked fine. But, uh, but for me, it wasn't, it wasn't growing. It wasn't going in the, that right direction. So, um, so I had to get selfish first, meaning, you know, all the things that I've already said before I could really become the person who could lead the company through breakthroughs, new breakthroughs to a new future, to a bigger future, um, and build it, build a team that was necessary, like with the right skill sets and everything. So it wasn't all about me Like that was really holding the business back. And, um, and, and then, and then be able to, uh, you know, focus on the couple of things that I'm sort of uniquely set, uh, or skilled to do or built to do. And, and rely on the rest of the team in a selfless way to bring, uh, to, to bring all the rest of the skills and talents and capabilities to the table. 
I really like what you've been saying because it relates very much to what I'm, I I talk about. I, I try to tell the, my clients and my audience that the biggest risk they face as entrepreneurs is to become the bottleneck in your in their business. Yeah, right. And that's exactly what you're talking about. And when you are the bottleneck for whatever reason it is, you know, because maybe everything is tied around you, you can't delegate, you can't let go. You mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you didn't say you, you can't let go, but that's what that's what it meant. Uh, so when you are the bottleneck of your business, you're you're stuck, like mentally you're stuck, yes. and then your business is stuck. Do you agree? That's do you right. agree with me? Yeah. <laughs> I do. Um, and then I'll, I'll add one thing to it, and this is what I I tell it. This is sort of the uh, the bright side, right? This is mm. the end of the rainbow. To that is whatever this system that you've you know this bottleneck, this stuckness, whatever, when you agree, or when you becomes aware enough of yourself to understand that this thing that you are in or what you've created is what you've designed, you've, you've designed it and it's worked perfectly. It's, it's, it happened exactly the way you wanted it to. And there's power in that, right? Because one, you'd be like, Oh crap, why did I do that? Right. Um, because I, I, I don't want to feel this way and I don't want to be stuck in all these things. But the the flip side to that is, well, if you were able to design something that got you, that was perfectly, you know, set up to get you here where you yeah. are yeah. and you don't like that, you can design something to get you somewhere else. Right. So that's the, that's really the shift in the ownership uh, mentality is, you know, there's, there's shifts along the way of every journey. And that's a really important one when you're stuck is like, how do I shift? Um, well, I'm a, I can, it's not, it's not a daunting thing, right? I, if I can accept that I designed this to, to, to happen just the way it's happened, I can also accept that I can design something new to, to, to get me a different outcome and have, and have continuous breakthroughs. So that's, how I like to think about that. What did you put in place when you had that, you know, realization? What did you put in place that switched the business around? Well, one of the biggest things was, first of all, I, 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 I had to, um, I had to determine what I wanted my future to look like. Right. Um, so I had to, and and that's a process of imagination, right? I had to imagine what I wanted it to be, and then. Uh, I had to, I had to work back from there and put in everything I thought would be necessary in order for that imagination to become real. And so you're saying, are, let's get a bit selfish. Or let's talk, let's yeah. think about myself first. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. And then, um, you know, once you have that, it really becomes about, um, you know, for me, at least it became about, um, you know, system and process. Mm-hmm. So I had designed a system in the first 10 years or so of the business that, you know, where I was uh, the selfless person, I was sort of the, had this hero complex. I, uh, everything was designed to run through me and that wasn't working anymore. Right. So there wasn't real, that was a system. It just wasn't a good system, right? A good system is something where everything is designed to not run through you, except the things that really, really need to run through you. So I think that's one of the biggest things that, that happened for me and that I learned was that if I want to build a big business 
and I want to go big, but I don't want to grind myself down, uh, you know, to nothing in the process. I want more freedom. Then I have to design systems that, that, that promote and support and sustain that. And it's, it's a simple thing, but it's one of the biggest, I think it's one of the biggest issues that we struggle with is, um, you know, having, having systems in place so that you uh, have a high performing company, even if you're nothing's, you know, running through you. That's, so that's a big, that's a big thing, really big. Right. So build something be, that goes behind you. So you can go on vacation. <laughs> it still <Yeah>. works. <laughs> right. Because otherwise, you know, you get it, you become an entrepreneur for freedom, right? Um mm-hmm whether it's freedom of time, freedom of money, freedom of, you know, relationships, whatever the freedom is. And too often you, we, that's, that's what you get into it for. And you get down the road and you're like, this doesn't feel free at all. It feels exactly the opposite. Well, it does. It does. And you know why? Because your understanding of what freedom meant at the beginning wasn't supported by, you know, systems, in your business wasn't supported by your own thinking about the future. It wasn't supported by, um, uh, you know, you may maintaining uh, a peak level of energy. Let's say it wasn't supported by any of those things. It was supported by the things that got you right where, where you are. So, um, so if we want a different outcome, maybe we need a different system. Yeah. What have you learned about yourself through that journey? I had a lot of beliefs that I thought were made me very powerful, but really what they did is they held me back. So for example, um, I had uh, what I call a perfect problem. I thought that things, you know, really had to be perfect before they moved ahead because everything I thought was a reflection of me. And if it wasn't perfect, it wasn't good enough. I know that one. (laughs) Yeah. And, 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 you know, the, the more enlightened among us would say, well, you know, perfect isn't important, right? Progress is important, not, not perfection. Um, Yeah. Okay. I get it. I just didn't get it for a long time because like I said, it was a reflection on me. Um, I didn't like to ask for help. I thought that asking for help was being lazy. I thought that, you know, losers ask for help, right? I had this, so and, and the, they go on and on. I have a whole chapter about the inventory of my problems and the, all of those belief systems that I thought made me strong and did in some ways they do and did make me strong. But uh, the rigidity that I had around them was really a, a mistake. Uh, and it took me uh, 15 years or so into the business to recognize that and and start to do something about it. And that's one of the reasons I write the book, because I don't want it to take 15 years for others to do that. I want it to take much, much, um, much shorter amount of time. And when you see what I went through and what I was thinking, and you can say, well, yeah, I kind of have those tendencies. And we go, okay, well, let's, let's see what we can do to, to, um, you know, modify those tendencies so that we're really working on the right things here and not working on what you, you know, what makes you feel like you have importance in the world or, makes you feel like you're a good human being or whatever. I mean, I want you to be a good human being. I just don't want you to, you know, not make progress because your belief system is limiting it. Is it also why you created the podcast? 
Well, um, sort of, I, I created, so yeah, I wouldn't have created the podcast when I was feeling this way. So mm. it, it's because, you know, I started to understand and I started to adapt and I started to really look at what makes me the best person I can be that got me interested in the podcast because that, you know, by that time I had a curiosity about what people were doing and why they were doing it and what was happening to them that I probably didn't have earlier. I just, uh, uh, you know, I was living in a very small world and the podcast was just another way for me to expand, um, you know, my world. I mean, look at us, we're talking, we're talking, we're, you know, on the other sides of the world. Right. And I'm, ex yeah. I'm expanding my, it, it was just a great way to expand my curiosity and then share that with, so many other people, right? It was just, so I wouldn't have done that earlier in my, I would have thought, oh, why would it, you know, why would he, why would she want to talk to me? You know, I'm, and now, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, the world has become so open even before I started podcasting, but after I started podcasting where, you know, I want people to know that there are answers out there and I show them where a lot of the answers are like you're doing, you're showing people where a lot of the answers are. You don't have to just do everything. You know, and when I started, you had to look stuff, <clears throat> stuff up in the phone book. You know, yes. if you wanted something, you go, Oh, where can I find this in the phone book? Right. Yes. Well, now, well, you know, you don't have to do that anymore. And uh, so the podcast has just been a way for me to explore curiosity and then just spread success stories, you know, as far and wide as I can. And I, uh, you know, I want to, my goal with it is to really inspire, activate and maximize greatness. And I feel like everybody's got greatness in them, particularly entrepreneurs. I feel entrepreneurs have tremendous greatness in it. And I don't want them to waste, a, I don't want them to waste any of it. Like I did. <laughs> yes. But the ego is strong also with the entrepreneurs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, and that's a good thing, right? Having a strong ego is a good thing, but having a, having a, having a, an open mind is a better thing. So a strong ego with an open mind, that's a, that's a good, good combination. <laughs> I agree. Indeed. What sort of uh, legacy you would like to leave behind you? I'm still kind of trying to figure out whether I'm a legacy person or not, okay. but here's what I want to do. Um, I, my mission, what I call my mission is to help in some way, support a thousand entrepreneurs mm -hmm. to grow businesses that are worth $20 million. And then once they do, once they do that, encourage them to uh, impact and support 10 other entrepreneurs on a similar journey with a similar goal. And when you do the math on that, the value creation is is like off the charts large um, and the impact on not just the entrepreneurial community, but on the world would be, you know, just amazing. And I think to myself, what better thing could I do right now than pursue that, that mission? I don't think that's a legacy for me because I, it's not going to be about me at all. It's going to be about them. But I, you know, if I have just a, even if I have just a small, small part in, in that, and we come anywhere close to, to achieving that goal. I, I just don't know what else I could do more meaningfully in my professional life. So you're looking for entrepreneurs. What profile are you looking for? Well, I don't care. 
uh, okay. from a profile standpoint. So what, what I do now is I work with, I work with leads like in a, for early stage companies, for example, I work with syndicate leads and investing syndicates. And what I love about that is it scales me because there's no way that I could do that kind of, like I have uh, maybe a hundred companies now. So on my journey to a thousand, right? A hundred. Now, I don't know if they're all going to make that 20 million valuation. They probably won't. But anyway, that's where I'm, that's where I am on the journey. Um, I could never do that on my own. So I feel like this impact that I'm trying to have is scaled by these uh, partnerships that, um, that I find and that I participate in. I think it does two things. One, it, it, it definitely expands the reach of people that I can touch, but it also you know, helps protect me because I'm, I believe in, in partnering with people who are smarter than I am in, in whatever I'm not, you know, I'm, whatever I'm not the smartest in. And, and this just gives gives me a way to really accelerate. Well, we come to my favorite question. Take all your experience, and if you had to summarize it into one recommendation to other entrepreneurs, what would it be? I think the number one thing for entrepreneurs is be willing to do what 95% of other people won't do. If you want to be successful, you can have a great idea, you can have money, you can have funding, but without execution and without just really being determined to do whatever you need to do to make it a success. Only 5% of the people will do that, maybe less. Um, mm. So be one of those, be one of the 5%. That was more than one sentence, I think. But. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. I, like, I really like it because you were talking, uh, we were talking about what also uh, I believe makes a difference, which is the mind, mm. the mindset. It's all about the mindset. Thank you for sharing that. Last My question. Pleasure. Okay. How can people contact you? Well, my website is a great place to contact me. Uh, that is Mike, M-I-K-E, Malatesta, M-A-L-A-T-E-S-T-A.com. My book is on there. My podcast is on there. You can find out information about me there. You can connect with me there. You know, email, you can subscribe to my newsletter there. You can do all of those things. Uh, you can also connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm active on LinkedIn at my name, Mike Malatesta. I may be the only one there. I'm not sure with that name, but I'm easy to find. Excellent, Mike. Thank you very much for your time today. If you've enjoyed this show, don't forget to subscribe to my podcast so you don't miss any episodes. See you next time. Bye-bye.